Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Cindy Banier with Dr. Cindy Speaks. So good with you, to be with you today. This is December 10th. This is being recorded at 4.17 p.m. It has been an interesting time. Thank you for tuning in to us, even though we've been off the air a little bit after the election. There's a lot that's been going on, and obviously with myself being a candidate, I had to, you know, take some time to decompress and figure out what my next steps are. So here we are marching towards the end of 2020, and I have some exciting things on the horizon, and I'm ready to kind of jump into the new things and continue on this podcast. So this podcast, we are in the transition Uh, period here from it being Dr. Cindy Speaks to um, what is going to be furthermore known as Southwest Florida in the know. And um, I don't have my new partner coming in uh, today, but you will meet her soon. We have some great changes for the podcast that will be combined also with a live view session via Facebook that we are really looking forward to launching here in the beginning of the year. But I wanted to take this time to get on the air because we do have some things coming up and you're going to hear from me at least one more time after this. Uh, We're going to have one of the people running to head up the Florida Democratic Party, Dr. Janelle Christensen. And um, she will be with us to tell us a little bit more about her platform and how she plans to reform the Democratic Party. And of course, this has become a major piece of work because after the election here, we realized that Florida completely did not have the blue wave uh, that we were expecting. We were very excited and thinking that we were going to flip various house seats and state legislatures, and it just didn't happen here in Florida. And there are several competing factors as to why that is. Uh, First of all, there was uh, no significant amounts of cash coming into most people who are running. We had what uh, has been dubbed the golden child um, approach where a handful of select races got all of the cash and everybody else was starving to death uh, in terms of their campaign when it came to support. And uh, we saw that there were areas that worked very hard to get out the vote and to connect with people and red areas in particular across the state excelled in this. We know that our area here in Southwest Florida had some of the highest democratic turnout rates in the state, let alone in our history here. Collier County overall had 90% turnout rate and we had 82% turnout rate here in Lee County. So we were really working hard here to turn out the vote and get people excited to vote for Democrats. We had more people vote in this election than had ever voted ever um, in total number. 
So, you know, we were working hard, whereas it looked like some of the other places across the state that were bluer, they just were kind of thinking that it was going to be easier for them. And uh, it wasn't. So we lost ground in traditional Democratic strongholds, particularly around Miami-Dade. So this has kind of caused the entire Democratic Party to go into upheaval. There's, of course, um, some additional um, conflict and hubbubaloo um, around um, consultants and the extremely high cost of consultants. Um, especially external consultants and consultants with losing records and how some of those consultants may have, you know, essentially self-dealed or double dealt along the way. So these are some pretty big issues that people are calling attention to. We've had no investment in capacity building or building our bench or building our talent and support bench across the state either. So those are some things that um, I know uh Dr. Christensen is looking at addressing and that people have been highly critical of in the current state party. We just saw state party chair Terry Rizzo step down. Um, we are waiting with bated breath on Juan Pensanola's res resignation as well, because from all in, uh, for all intents and purposes, if we look at the abject failures um, that did occur in the Democratic Party, you know, Terry Rizzo as chair and leader and face of the party, uh, yes, some responsibility falls to her. However, it was the management and the poor strategy and implementation and execution of any semblance of a strategy that there was that um, really fell on his shoulders, on him being an extremely well um, compensated person in that capacity. There's no reason why um, we should have had this level of failure. The other big snafu with that that falls directly on Juan Petaniela's shoulders, of course, is the PPP scandal, where the Florida Democratic Party applied and got uh, almost a million dollars in funds that is supposed to be going to help support small businesses. And that was a widely criticized move. I guess the money had been returned, but again, the political damage had been done. And it's really, really short-sighted on the management to not have recognized the potential political pitfalls and taking such cash uh, in such a time of need. So I, um, you know, I am looking forward to his resignation. And if he's not going to uh, resign uh, outright, then, you know, definitely the new leadership is going to be looking at that as well. So Democrats across the state of Florida are going to need to really, really restructure themselves. And that's what we're looking at. And now is extremely important, especially once we looked at, and this is something that Dr. Christensen has done, looking at the mission of the various political parties here in, in across Florida. So the Florida GOP's mission is, and this is brilliant, hold your chairs, <laughs> hold your hats for this one, uh, to get conservatives elected. Clear, straightforward, very understandable. Florida Democratic Party's mission, equality, blah, 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 blah. Nothing in it about getting Democrats elected, which perfectly explains why the organization did not place as a priority getting Democrats elected across the state. Now, they may have helped some, tried to get some elected, but without a clear mission, they were able to come up with strategy that completely uh, went against little d democracy as well as the what the 
Democratic Party is supposed to be, which is equality and, and reducing barriers to access so more people can get in and become candidates and run. And they created additional barriers to access when it came to that, you know, the whole fiasco too with the van access, not to mention the terrible thing that is the van, which is the voter access network, which is the data that candidates use for outreach and and many other things. Uh, It was terrible data, terrible interface, um, often wrong. And it put candidates who had to pay thousands of dollars, by the way, for this information, at least at my level, Um, put us in a position where we were actually updating their database for them. So anyway, lots of issues and really looking forward to change in that. So uh, additionally, things that have been going on, COVID, as predicted, is skyrocketing across Florida, across the United States. We just have had, um, I think, going on almost a week of day-to-day record deaths across the United States. We crossed the 3,000 deaths a day threshold yesterday, and it had been just over 2,000 the previous days before that. So for everybody poo-pooing the models around COVID, models seem to be doing exactly, or the reality seems to be doing exactly what the models were telling us, which is we were going to have an initial spike and then we control it and then a slightly bigger spike and then down and here we come into winter and we're already on trajectory for an even bigger spike, but we happen to have a completely toxic political landscape around that. Republicans have chosen to make this a freedom issue in their opinion and have really confused people in terms of the science because they were trying desperately to make their case for not having mask mandates, for not having business and institution closures. And through that, they've really made naysayers out of a whole lot of people. And um, it's a shame. It's a shame because we have thousands of Americans die every day. We are well over the million affected threshold uh, just in the state of Florida here. And we are seeing a lot of unnecessary deaths. And I I just, I, I could not have told you or picture that this day would come in the United States where we would be looking at the third bump in a pandemic and have such a high level of apathy from the general public as well as um, large swaths of our leadership. And we're gonna look back at this and I've, I've said this from the very, very beginning that we are going to look back at this period of time as the way that the United States lost its footing uh, in the world. Uh, under Between Donald Trump and the pandemic, it's really um, has done a significant amount of damage to our democratic systems, to our institutions overall, to our credibility uh, and leadership around the world. And it, it's going to be hard for us to get it back. And the pandemic has significantly deteriorated si- you know, trust even further with the government and various institutions. And it's just going to be the first of many catastrophic events that is going to plague the United States. Now, with the election of Joe Biden, there is some hope that we can change it. But with the election, especially how Donald Trump has continued to question our election systems and essentially hurt our democracy through wild, wild claims of fraud not backed up by evidence and has been thrown out in, I think, going on 
52 court cases out of 53 court cases have been thrown out, including one already at the Supreme Court. He has currently gotten 17 states, including Florida, to sign on with Texas to, I believe, throw out uh, the entire election and taking that to the Supreme Court. And um, all of this is is a tragedy for our democracy. It's um, a horrible situation long term in terms of trust and it's all has to do with his vanity. So we have actually passed what's called the safe harbor point. So all the states have certified their elections ahead of the electoral college vote next week. The electoral college vote is depending on state rules supposed to vote on what the state popular vote is. And those electoral votes of course have all pointed to Joe Biden. We went through a bit of a rigmarole about the transition and most factors or most parts of the government now are coordinating with Joe Biden, except for parts of the Pentagon who have been put under the direction of Donald Trump loyalists. Like really just in the last couple of weeks, people have been fired in the Pentagon and put in with sometimes extremely underqualified and junior level staff who just hold, hold themselves up as Trump gatekeepers to stop out the uh, step keep the Biden team out. So we're in a very, very precarious situation. And again, hopefully we'll be able to move through it. Hopefully we will actually um, get Joe Biden all the way into the White House. But it really seems uh, that every single little tiny thing that Trump thinks he can throw at this, he is going to. What this has left, of course, is you know millions of Americans questioning the integrity of our election, questioning the integrity and the value of our democratic process. We have a runoff race in Georgia where there are factions of the Republican Party that are actually full out telling people not to vote because of the flawed system, which I mean, of course, Democrats are going fantastic because they would, you know, the more Republican votes that they self-suppress, the better. But it's that's a really sad state of affairs to to have, you know, people calling into question the value of even voting and that's going to cause long term damage. But what also is going to happen is even if we can get Biden in to the White House and inaugurated without complete meltdown of our systems between now and then that um, Trump himself has already vowed that he's not going away. He is talking about running in 2024. Um, he's coming to Florida, which, by the way, means that this is going to become Trump central. So the Democrats have even more of an incentive to get their shit together because we have we are already facing a very well organized GOP in the state of Florida where a vast number of their candidates have already registered for the 2022 cycle. And that's something that my team is just, I mean, we're looking at. So as Democrats are sitting there, him and Han and trying to figure out what their next steps are, trying to convince the beleaguered candidates who had no help from the state party to run again, the Republicans have already paid their filing fees and they're already able to fundraise and whatever. So this is where Democrats lose out every single time because of a lack of leadership and management and professionalism top to bottom. So now we're going to have an already well-oiled machine in the Republican party um, be supercharged by Donald Trump moving to Mar-a-Lago. And by the way, Jared and Ivanka have bought property in Miami. So we're gonna have those 
cast of characters become an even bigger part of Florida politics here. And that's really scary. But um, I know it's also going to continue to be a hotbed. So, I mean, we really now is the time for us to organize um, and um, really do what we can in the state in terms of getting our message out about being Democrats and what that means. But also across the country, you know, this is why I say that the COVID crisis and Donald Trump and we're going to look back at this period of time of being like the beginning of the downfall of the United States. And it is because, you know, people are kind of flippantly throwing out civil war. That was trending on Twitter yesterday um, because of the the conflict over the elections. There's a whole bunch of people who just are not going to even accept the election results, uh, even after everything's all said and done. And Trump is playing right into that because it fits his vanity and fits his narrative. And he's even talking about potentially, you know, flying out during the inauguration from the White House by Air Force One and like a, you know, show of, I don't know, (laughs) audacity uh, and come down to Mar-a-Lago as his kind of last presidential act and then hold a competing rally uh, a, a counter to the inauguration. And this, the sick part about it is, is because this is really, it really, this is Trump's ego speaking. This is Trump's desire to remain relevant and to continue to milk the system with him and his family, making money left, right, and center, hand over fist uh, between government contracts and and people trying to ingratiate themselves with them. Uh, They are losing out on that. But the thing that's really sad is that this is ultimately just ends up being a petty, ridiculous, vain thing that is really doing significant damage to our democracy. If we keep people as riled up about Trump and the issues that he is pushing, the false narratives around the elections, it's not going to go away simply because Joe Biden is inaugurated. And um, that's that's going to be very sad. And that's what I'm saying. Like, There's a lot more to unfurl in this story. And it's, um, it's really, huh, there's just a lot more coming. But this point, this year, 2020 is going to be the one where everybody looks back and be like, that's that's where that was the first domino, right? The first domino that was pushed that let all the other dominoes go to the downfall. So I, I, I don't want to be that pessimistic. In fact, I'm typically the opposite. I am typically the the, um, you know perennial optimist and I am the go-getter, you know, the the never say die type of person. That's really, really genuinely who I am. But I am also extremely pragmatic when it comes to understanding how these things work. So one other thing I want to talk about, and we'll keep this whole episode just a little bit short today, is another thing that's been really scary that has happened here in the state of Florida is the the raid on Dr. Rebecca Jones's house. You've probably heard me talk about her several times. She is what I describe as our data hero. She was a data scientist and the architect of the state dashboard on the COVID crisis, right? And so she was doing the back end analyzing and compiling and putting the information together. So anyway, long story short on that, she resigned because she refused to manipulate the data to make Ron DeSantis look better. So she kind of left and then started her own competing dashboard 
that gave the additional information and particularly the death rate um, and the death totals. And so we could actually see that because they had wanted to take that off the website, you know, because we didn't want to scare people into thinking or to letting everybody know, you know, actually how many people were being killed by these open door policies in the state of Florida. So the scary thing that happened this week, so she had been doing this, she had been posting also, by the way, the uh, for the for the nation, she's posting the COVID rates for schools. You know, she's similar in age to me and has small children, so that was a priority for her. And um, so they raided her house uh, based on a warrant that said that they thought uh, there was a message, an unauthorized message from an IP address at her location that said something about encouraging people to speak up about what was going on with the COVID reporting. And um, so based on that, they got the record. They went into her house. They um, pulled their guns and waved their guns around at her and her children. And this is all on video. And in addition to that, they seized her phone and her computers of which had the evidence that she was building her whistleblower case against the Ron DeSantis administration. And, uh, you know, she was visibly shaken up in the video and, you know, she's screaming about having her kids around and the guns. And, and it's just, um, it's very scary to know that Ron DeSantis thinks that this is an appropriate way to handle something as, as seemingly, you know, the a hack but it wasn't a hack that stole or maliciously hurt anybody. Um, so the level of severity around the hack itself uh, is rather minor, but that it was uh, an armed police raid in response to this. And it's very, very clear that this is an intimidation to the scientists and to the people who have been working to bring transparency to this administration here in Florida and to keep the people in the know about what was actually going on with the COVID crisis here. And um, it's, it is extremely scary and it is, it's not, I'm not going to go the slippery slope route, but I am going to say that when this kind of stuff happens, um, it opens the door for more of it to happen. And especially if you look at the way that it was done, the warrant was signed by a judge that had been appointed by Ron DeSantis only a month earlier and had no previous uh, adjudications prior to that one. So it's almost like the person who was put in there was specifically put in to do that because they could not have done this otherwise. Um, you know, why wouldn't they have done it closer to the time? Like, it's not that hard, frankly, to find an IP address from a hack. Um, if an hack was supposed to have happened in June or July, why are they doing it in December? It could probably be because they had put it in front of the judge that got booted out and they, you know, and they wouldn't sign it. And now they got somebody who would. And this is crony politics uh, 101 and Ron DeSantis is at the head and we can expect to see more of it. And um, I'm really just dismayed, but I'm going to keep doing my best to shine a light on it. And we're going to keep talking about it here. I'm going to keep this podcast, the separate podcast. We're going to have our Southwest Florida in the know coming up and we're going to have interviews with fantastic people like Dr. Janelle Christensen running for Florida Democratic Party chair coming up in the near future. But for today, that's going to be the end of what I have to say. But thank you so much for listening. And by the way, we are going to be launching our, our new page. Patron, um, 
system here because now as a just regular working mom, you know, I got to make ends meet. And even as a candidate, I was able to take some salary from that. But now, you know, I'm just back to being a single working mom trying to make ends meet. So we would love to have your support for this with our new patrons program, we're gonna have a few different ways that we do that. Of course, initially we want to raise money to launch and get our branding done for the new podcast featuring me and Jackie McMiller. That's uh, $300. And then the next goal that we have is to raise $1,000 so that we can get brand new equipment. So when Jackie and I are out at our really fantastic um, location, uh, we're gonna be, by the way, recording at Seed and Bean at downtown Fort Myers. But when we're at that location that we have really great equipment so we can have high quality sounds we can continue to bring the message of progressives around Southwest Florida to the people and um, so we would love to have you uh, be one of our supporters we have several levels of support going everything from one dollar monthly to five dollars and um, all the way up to fifty dollars and then one hundred dollars a month and you get various perks uh, even opportunities to get some swag or to sit down and have a dinner with Jackie and I of course uh, we're gonna thank all of our patrons on uh, on the broadcast as well so we're we're gonna share that information um, in the description of this podcast and uh, we will keep putting that out there because it is going to in order for us to as regular citizens here and people who are just interested in getting the voice of the people out there we're going to need your support to do that so check that out and become one of our patrons be one of our first patrons and we're going to call you out a lot we're going to thank you thank you thank you up and down um, but become one of our first patrons here and and help uh help a couple of moms out but um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us here today on Dr. Cindy Speaks. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her, go to cindybanyay.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybanyay.com. We love connecting with people.